All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stepping Forward Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Sarah. And we are here to talk to you today about epigenetics. That's a big word. Epigenetics. (laughs) (laughs) I just kind of felt like I should go... uh, like Bill Nye the Science Guy style. I like it. That uh-huh. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so a quick disclaimer before we start, there are more questions than answers right now about epigenetics. Because it's a developing field, we don't know everything. And Rachel and I are not geneticists or doctors or things like that. So anything we say on the podcast is not medical advice or psychological advice. Um, it's just kind of helpful advice to keep in mind for step parenting and for... Um, and just like interactions with people in general. So, yes. Um, and uh, I mean, super honest disclaimer uh, genetics was the class I came closest to failing <laughs> in college. Well, actually, I was in high school, but it was a college okay. course. Like, so. I'm impressed you took that. I never got to it. <laughs> I, well, you know, I got college credit and high school credit. So, you can't lose there. But I, was literally in tears more than once yeah. about that class. So, <laughs> okay. you know, that's a thing. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it's all right. So we wanted to start out with kind of explaining what it is, and then you can understand why we're talking about it. So basically, our genes in our body are responsible for all of our life function. And then our DNA inside the cells gives instructions to our bodies to produce proteins that start any cellular activity. And epigenetics are chemical tags on DNA that turn your genes on and off and determine whether your cells need to produce those proteins. So they determine whether a cell becomes a hair cell or a skin cell, a blood cell, kidney cell, etc. But our environment can also cause cells to turn on and off, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Epigenetics are what make us unique. Like Rachel has reddish hair. I have brown hair. Um, I don't like pickles. Rachel does. <laughs> and this is due to genetics and epigenetics. Um, hypothetically epigenetics, um, damages are reversible, but again, that's one of those murky areas. And so, um, just keep that in mind. If you think about epigenetics, like a movie, your cells would be the actors, the DNA would be the script and the epigenetics would be the director. That's kind of the boss of everything. Hopefully that helps you understand (laughs) a quick and dirty version of it. Yes. And sometimes it takes creative license that... Oh, the genetics yeah. thing. Yes. <laughs> I'm also like thinking about it and I'm like, oh, like most of my best friends have not liked pickles. That's interesting. I wonder if that's like a, did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Yeah. The Olive Theory? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It totally is like that. And my husband doesn't like pickles. Huh, that's so funny. What's funny is though, like, I think I've had people give them to me so often now that I'm like, eh, I don't need the extra pickles anymore. I'm good. Right. Um, all the pickles. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm a little... A little pickled out, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, epigenetics is a really interesting field, and I've always been yeah. kind of intrigued by it. Um, so when Sarah and I were talking about it, she had mentioned it's it's like being able to inherit trauma and behaviors, yes, from you know our parents and grandparents, mm-hmm. and. One thing I find interesting about genetics, and the thing is, like, genetics is such an interesting field. It is. But it's so complicated, and it gets really uh, mathematical. And, you know, like, Uh I don't think I had a good basis for a lot of the mathematical concepts. And I think that's part of why it was so upsetting to me when I took it. Uh Um, But one cool thing is that all 23 of our chromosomes that are packed with DNA are in the nucleus of every cell 
in our body. It's so wild, right? Yeah. Because like if I look at you right now, your eyeballs are totally different than your skin cells on your face, which are totally different than, you know, your bones in your arm, but it's all the same 23 chromosomes and it's so crazy. And they just differentiate in different ways during development and, um, you know, mitosis and all that fun stuff. So... (laughs) All the fun stuff. <laughs> All the fun stuff. Okay, so, tell the story about the Dutch winter because this one's fascinating okay. to me. So Dutch winter, you guys, this is insane. So uh, this uh, the information I got on this one I pulled from the New York Times, an article by Carl Zimmer. <laughs> it's probably Zimmer, but anyway. <laughs> I like the accent. <laughs> So the Dutch hunger winter, um, it started in September of 1944 um, in the Netherlands, and they were freed in the spring of 1945. So it was a relatively short time period, but it was a famine where they just were cut off from all of their, most of their food supplies. And by the time it was over in just about eight months, over 20,000 people had died. So sad. It's insane. Yeah. Um, And the interesting thing about it from a scientist's perspective is that because it started and ended so abruptly and was contained in such a specific area, it ended up being sort of an unplanned experiment. Right. Um, The kind of experiment that you can't really ever do on people ethically. Because in within that area, pregnant women were uniquely vulnerable mm-hmm. um, to that famine. And it turns out that the women who were pregnant during that time period, there have been some doctors that have followed their children uh-huh. as adults um, and looked back at all their medical records and everything. And they were like, oh, like all of these children whose mothers were pregnant with them during the Dutch hunger winter um, are heavier as adults than mm-hmm. the average Dutch person. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, they also, they started to dig further into that and found out they had higher cholesterol, um, the higher rates of obesity, higher rates of schizophrenia and other mental illnesses. Mm. So it's Dr. Boss Heymans. <laughs> I'm sure I've destroyed his name, but, um, and he, was working at the Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands. Um, But his theory is that the Dutch hunger winter has silenced certain genes Mm. in those individuals who were unborn children at the time. Uh And those genes have never been able to be reactivated. Um, So epigenetics says that during our early development, Mm -hmm. um, certain genetic traits can be triggered or shut off essentially um, and then have long-term impacts on our health and on our risks of certain diseases. Yeah. So um, we talked about that. And then one more study we're going to talk about really quick before we transition into talking about how it relates to step parenting. Yes. (laughs) Um, There was a study at at Kaiser Medical in the 1990s Mm -hmm. and it studied like trauma in adults and in children and then followed them for a long time. I don't remember how long, 
The sample size was about 17,000 people, which if you know anything about research is a huge sample size. Mm -hmm. And what they came up with were what we call ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. And there are things like substance use in the family, family members going to jail, physical abuse, mental abuse. Um, what Do you remember some other ones? I'm spacing on them right now. Um, yeah, uh, neglect and oh, yeah. um, just witnessing certain things as a child. That's um, right. Yeah. Okay. Thank so that's you. like the, the umbrella <laughs> of it. Um, and you actually can go online. There are a lot of resources out there now where you can actually take the ACEs quiz yourself. Uh-huh. So it's 10 questions and you get one point for each question you answer yep. yes to. Um, people with three or more ACEs are at higher risk for certain. Like uh, everything medically. They yeah. have more doctor visits. Yes. Like higher cholesterol, higher blood pressure. Yes. Um, so many things. And then people with six or more ACEs are at risk, at even higher risk for all of those things. And then also at risk for a shortened lifespan, uh-huh. um, which freaks me out because I had six ACEs when I took the quiz. So yeah. um, I think that it's important to recognize these issues and these traumas and work on getting the help you need for those, making sure that you're being taken care of medically, but also getting therapy and um, taking care of yourself, which I think when you have those ACEs is exponentially harder because Mm -hmm. a lot of people who have had those experiences are used to putting themselves last. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we kind of like you and I, I know, tend to be high performers and really busy working on a lot of stuff all the time. And part of that is like a trauma response to avoid feelings. And um, that's something I'm working on right now. It's been kind of a last couple months of stress, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but it is a really good thing, like Rachel just said, to work through because then you can help your kids with it. You can help your kids' kids and move on. And um, and if you think about ACEs in terms of step parenting, so your stepchildren have been exposed to probably arguments fighting between their parents definitely divorce or separation yes which is one of the questions yeah. in the aces quiz um sometimes substance use or jail mm-hmm. from the step parent stories we've heard mm-hmm. um and they have a lot of different things and depending on how sensitive your kids are they might really take that to heart like i'm a hypersensitive person mm-hmm. and it's something i've had to work really hard on the last few years because chris is sarcastic <laughs> so <laughs> and at first i got my feelings hurt all the time when we were married and now i'm like well it's just chris it's fine <laughs> oh gosh i still get my feelings hurt i'm I mean, like yeah. that hurts my feelings yeah. <laughs> and it's important to be aware of in your relationship with your partner too because yeah um even though you mentioned that uh it can like epigenetics and childhood can change things the experiences that our spouses and partners went through were traumatic for them. And if we have, if they have kids with us, then they um, have a better chance of passing those things down to our children genetically. Right. Um, And if you're interested in learning more about ACEs, it's super easy to Google. There's tons of websites on it, but also there's a lot of work out there uh, by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. Mm. She's done a lot of the continuing research on that. And she actually has recently been appointed the first Surgeon General of the state of California. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And she's just phenomenal. My husband and I have been listening to her book, The Deepest Well. She talks a lot about ACEs in that. I would just tag a trigger warning on that because she's talking about ACEs. There are some upsetting things to hear. Um, so uh, also, though, there is hope, Definitely. <laughs> I want to say, um, along with the ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences, they've also found that there are markers for resiliency in children mm -hmm. and that even just having one adult who as a child they knew they could trust and that cared about them and would always be like consistently there for them that saw them as valuable mm -hmm. um, gives them resiliency against those aces. Which so, I think is really cool as a step parent because that's a role we can step into as well. Yes. Just really caring about the kids. We don't have to be the full-time parent. If we want to be, we can, you know, yeah. we don't have to be the one in charge of all the parenting and all the discipline. We can be the one that has just the solid relationship with and cares about the kid, like a cool aunt or uncle or something like that. If that's the role we want to take on. Right. And sometimes that's completely appropriate. Mm -hmm. You know, if that's how the, the bio parents would like for things to be, then that's, that's cool. Yeah. You know, I know we've talked about this before, but that's something I've noticed Kylie um, prefers for me to do lately. Mm -hmm in the last year or so. And I've stepped back a lot from parenting because she's 18 now and, and more just there to support and like listen and love and that kind of stuff. And yeah. our relationship's gotten a lot better because of that. So, um, I know she had a lot, she, for a while when Chris and their mom got divorced, um, she had a lot of trauma stuff and she remembered things. Mm -hmm. And so with her, it's been about making sure that she feels safe and, and then everything else can happen on top of that. But if she doesn't feel safe or if she doesn't feel like we are there to support and love her, then she shuts down pretty quick. Right. <laughs> so that's, I think it's cool that that one factor of having one supportive adult mm -hmm. can um, provide so much resilience for them. Yes. And it's also really cool to think about if we can get people in our blended family to the mindset of these kids also have more people who love them and care about them. Yeah. Right the more loving, caring adults they have, the better, then really that gives the child so much more resiliency. Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I think we all have in our relationships moments when we have reactions that we're not sure where the reaction is coming from. A hundred percent. And my opinion is that that's a lot due to epigenetics. Yeah. Um, I know that there are things that my parents have been through that shaped their reactions. Right. And then I, you know, myself growing up with that have found myself having similar reactions. Yes. And it's, it can be very difficult in that moment to step mm -hmm. back and look at that. And even when I recognize in the moment that it's, the reaction doesn't align with what happened in the situation, uh -huh. you know, it's still, it's very difficult to change it in the moment. Yeah. But if you can take it later and reflect on it uh -huh. <laughs> and then make a plan for what you would like to do in the future when that happens, I think you're that much more protected against falling into the same patterns Definitely. that your ancestors have fallen into. Yeah. I know for me that my grandma, um, she experienced emotional abuse for sure and possibly physical abuse. And so a lot of that's come down and... Um, and I feel like my reaction sometimes I'm, 
have been really reactive to stuff. But the more I've worked on identifying that and working through it, the more it's helped and the more I can let go of it. Right. And then one other thing that's really helped is meditation. Yeah. It's helped retrain my brain and like build new neural pathways for me to stay calmer and to not be as reactive in the moment and have as intensive emotions. Right. Um, I also think it's really interesting to learn about your ancestors with this concept in mind, Uh because I feel like I can relate to my ancestors more, but also see where maybe some of my traits came from. Uh Right. (laughs) I love that. So Uh (laughs) it's like, I have a lot of pioneer ancestors and pilgrim ancestors, people that really had to like forge their own way, um, probably felt very scared trying to protect their children and their families against certain, you know, forces that were outside of their control. And so then like last week when we were talking about uh, talking to Paulina about that mama bear effect, right? Uh Like, Oh, that might be partially where that comes from. Right. And I'm like, I need to take a step back because um, in most cases, my kids aren't in mortal danger. Right. Right. <laughs> my stepkids, like, uh-huh. you know, there are moments when they're like, they didn't look both ways and they're about to step off the curb. Yeah. That's a time to scream and yell. It's appropriate. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but not so much other times, you know, yeah. like they shoved their string cheese wrapper in the couch. That's, that's not mortal danger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask them to move it to the garbage can. <laughs> Hey guys, before we jump into the episode, I wanted to take a quick minute to let our local listeners know about a Smart Step Family Conference that's going to be happening in Lehigh, Utah at the Young Living Auditorium, January 24th and 25th of 2020. So that's just coming up in a few weeks here. Um, Right now, if you go and sign up today or tomorrow, so before the new year starts, you can get an early bird special. There are single tickets and couple tickets available. It's open to step parents and biological parents. We'd really like to get everybody there who is interested in strengthening and building their blended family. Um, I was able to attend a smart stepmom conference earlier this year, and it was so wonderful. It really helped me to feel validated and appreciated, and I would like my husband to feel those things as well. Um, If you're interested in this event, you can get tickets at starcompassfamily.com. Those are also available through Eventbrite. And you can follow them on Facebook at Step Family Events. Um, The organizer is Charlene Roberts, and she puts together a wonderful event. I can't even tell you guys how much I loved the stepmom conference I was able to go to. So I really recommend it. I'll be there with my husband. I believe Sarah is going to be there as well. Hopefully her husband will be there too. And I just, I can't recommend it enough. So if you're available, come on down. If you're not able to make it to the Friday portion, don't sweat it. There are also tickets available for the Saturday portion only or vice versa. So go ahead, get your tickets and come hang out with us and get to know other step families. There's a thermometer I really like, and I don't know if you've heard of it. It's on the social thinking website and that's for teaching social skills to kids with autism. But um, it has a, it's a poster you can buy if you like it. 
and it has a like size of my problem and size of my reaction. And we work a lot with our kids who are on the spectrum to help them figure out, does your reaction match the size of your problem? Usually it doesn't, and it takes a while to bring it back down. But I think it's helpful for people who are neurotypical too, or people who have experienced trauma, because then you can look at it and say, you know what? I had a small problem, but it was a medium reaction. Next time I'll just let the person cut in line in front of me. It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have that poster in my classroom. (laughs) There's also um, social behavior map. And it's another dry uh-huh. erase poster that you can write on that, you know, lets you look at this is the behavior I had. This is the reaction I got. And like, what could I have done differently? Yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah. So there's a few different ways to come at that. But I think it's so helpful to go backwards from where you ended up and figure out like, what do I want to do differently next time? Like you talked about just figuring out I can't change this now because it's in the past. But if it happens again or something similar happens again, what do I want to do differently? Right. So I do have another study. Awesome. Um, and this one is a little bit closer to home, I think, for most of us. So this, the information that where I pulled this from is uh, from theguardian.com. And it's called Pregnant 9-11 Survivors mm-hmm. Transmitted Trauma to Their Children. Uh-huh. And there were an estimated 1,700 pregnant women who were impacted by the 9-11 attacks in New York City alone. And um, Rachel Yehuda, who's a professor of psychiatry and neuroscience at Mount Sinai Medical Center, uh, reached out to 38. Well, she reached out to more, but she recruited 38 of those women who were at or near the attack. Um and asked them to to participate in the study. Um, And what they did was they took saliva from those pregnant women and measured the cortisol levels. Um, And then they did that throughout the rest of their pregnancy. Uh And then after the babies were born, they also took saliva from the babies um, throughout their childhood. And I think this is still ongoing, actually, and measured the cortisol levels for the babies as well. Right? Uh Uh-huh. it's also interesting to me because it, it's interesting how you can get so much information from saliva now. Right. Like you don't have to have nearly as an invasive of a study anymore. Like they're not, they don't always have to take blood or other yeah. fluids that are so much more difficult or uncomfortable to get right. than saliva. <laughs> um, so what they found is that children of mothers who were in their second or third trimester during the attack had significantly higher stress response hormones um, than your typical child. Uh So they were more likely to have bigger reactions, more likely to have anxiety, more likely to get stressed out. Um, And that's very interesting to me, especially knowing what I know about how our communication develops within the womb as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, because we're already getting our um, native language sounds. Right. We're obtaining those and uh, recognizing voices and our outer, the outside environment when we're in the womb. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about how, what you hear coming from outside the womb oh, yeah. and that stress response while they're still in the womb, yeah. you know, they could already be having those responses before they're even born. Yeah. 
and most likely are having those responses before they're even born after a traumatic event. Right. So when I think about that, it's very interesting to me because I think it could really impact the way people get services and how they address their, their, um, anything psychological really. Mm -hmm. So going to therapy, sometimes we don't know why we're having those responses, right? (laughs) Right. Well, maybe your therapist digs a little deeper. Uh Uh-huh. We find out there was some traumatic event in your past or in the past, past, past before yeah. you came along. <laughs> so, and I'm not saying like, let's dig into past life regression or anything, but <laughs> um, although I do like to listen to podcasts about that too. <laughs> you listen to the most interesting podcasts. Oh my gosh. I love podcasts. <laughs> I know. <me> too. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, I just, it's really interesting to me and I think, oh, Sorry, guys. My toddler is not a happy camper today. It's <laughs> tough. <laughs> but anyway, he, uh, oh, he, <laughs> talking about him. <laughs> it's a little rougher when sisters are home because they always want to kind of control what he's doing. Oh, yeah. That's he's, tough. He's Nobody not a fan of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, he doesn't like it. Yeah, shocking. But he <laughs> loves them and he wants to spend time with them. So, okay. you know. <laughs> Anyway, I, you know, just thinking about that and how it could impact our own health care and our mental health care and all of that. Yeah. It's really intriguing to me. It is. And I think in terms of like epigenetics, we're dealing with stuff that's not our fault. And I heard a quote, I can't remember if I said it on the podcast because I say it so much. Um, <laughs> it's not your fault if you're screwed up, but if it's, it's your fault if you stay screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that one because it's, it's true. Like that's so we're true. all as parents right now, we're doing the best that we can, but I know my kids are going to be in therapy for stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> they are. It's just how life is right now. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. It's an okay thing. Um, I always joke that it's not a matter of if they go to therapy, it's what they go to therapy for. Right. <laughs> um, but it's not a bad thing. And we are really like lucky and blessed to be at a time right now that we have therapists and people who can help us out with these things that we've inherited and um, some of the stuff that's happened to our grandparents and predecessors. Yeah. <laughs> it's really just so interesting how our early experiences and our ancestors' experiences really can impact and shape our lives. Mm -hmm. But it's also interesting to me how if we're very intentional about how we handle things, we can impact and shape our own lives just as much as they have, if not more. Yes, I agree with you. So I know it's hard. I know it gets like disheartening sometimes when we really start to think like, how much choice do really people have? Like, especially when, if you study behavior at all, you're starting to think like, man, are we all just kind of buffeting each other around until we all die? Like not to be dramatic or anything. My little brother described it as we're all dinosaurs and we're just trying not to stump on each other too much. Yeah. (laughs) And I like that description because I feel like we are just doing our best and, um, you know, I'm one of those people that like definitely believes that we have lives for a purpose and a reason. And, um, and part of that reason for me is to just become the best and the kindest person that I can be to other people, yeah. including to my girl's mom and, um, yeah. and maybe their stepdad someday. I don't know. <laughs> but he's not going to be in their lives for very much longer. So hopefully I can have more charity towards him. <laughs> uh, it can then just be part of your 
goodwill toward men in general. Yes. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. <laughs> yes. Very fitting for Christmas. Christmas season. So. Anyway, just this is just food for thought, I think. And it's likely that we'll bring this up in the future. And mm-hmm. I think we both like to keep our thumb on research with this kind of stuff. So definitely. If yeah. we find anything new, we'll let you guys know. Yeah. But anyway. Thank you for listening today. As always, you can find us on our usual um, on Facebook, Stepping Forward Podcast, Instagram and Twitter at Step Forward Show, or you can email us, steppingforwardpodcast at gmail.com. And we hope you guys are enjoying the remainder of your holiday season, mm-hmm. gearing up for the new year. And in the meantime, keep, keep on stepping. Only what love in this heart don't know.